Hey, y'all, this is Eric, and you're listening to Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. And in this one, we're going to have a good buddy of ours, Mr. Mike Henby from um, Georgia. <laughs> uh, he's a local guy, really good hunter. Um, he's got some really exciting stuff coming up in the works. Uh, he's going to be going to Africa in about a week from when this episode drops. And, you know, he's a good buddy of J- JD's. I've talked to him a few times on Facebook and seen his, you know, seen the animals he's killed and Man, this one gets a little, a little, uh, a little spicy. Um, it, it's a long story. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about once it gets to that point in the episode. But before we get started, we've got to do a couple things. Uh, this coming weekend, July 23rd, I believe, Sunday, come out to Birmingham, Alabama. Go to the World Deer Expo. Me and JD are going to be up there working the um, Urban Archery Outfitters booth. And then we're also going to be walking around meeting, you know, a few people that are up there, like the Seek One guys. I know Joe from uh, Osseo is going to be up there. Summit's going to have a booth. It's just going to be a great time, man. Um, So, hey, reach out on Facebook. Let us know if you're going to be up there Sunday and we can get together, get to talking, you know, maybe set up for some of y'all to get an episode in. It's going to be a really good time just to meet people that maybe listen to the podcast and, um, you know, get to know people. Um, also got to do the sponsors. So first off, I'm really excited about this one. <clears throat> one of the new sponsors just came on is chest thumper outdoors. And if you haven't checked them out, go on YouTube, type in chest thumper outdoors, watch Trent's videos. They are very informative. Trent is an awesome dude. Um, and he also has his own shop. So go to the ctoutdoors.com or text 217-378-0092 to get any products from him. Just check out everything that's there, man. Everything that he sells is quality. Um, you know, and it's 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 just some stuff like I'm going to be changing a lot of things once this season's up. Like I'm going to be getting a new bow, probably going to get the Dart and Maverick. I'm um, going to be changing arrows, might be going with uh, Black Eagle. You know, I mean, I'm I'm just really excited to see where this relationship with Trent goes. Trent has started to become a really good buddy of mine and JD's, and I I really just I enjoy talking to the dude. Um, he is going to be coming on the next episode that'll drop next week, so be looking forward to that. And it's just you know these past two episodes, man, things get things get a little a little heavy in a good way. Um, we kind of dive into the the deeper side of everything. Um, also got to thank Osteo Gear, Joe Miles, like I said, he's going to be up at, um, the World Deer Expo this coming weekend, go, go, you know, meet up with him, go buy some Osteo, best camo on the market, I, I can't really say too much about it, man, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome, or I guess I can't say enough about it, really, <laughs> um, but yeah, man, Joe's an awesome guy, you know, and they create a very, very quality product, I'm going to be using the lightweight um jacket and pants this year and then i may end up getting some of the heavier stuff for when it gets a little colder um there's a lot of things coming down the pipeline with osseo uh next up summit tree stands man i say it every time best tree stand on the market they will be at the world deer expo as well go check them out go um go get some climbing sticks some accessories a new climber a new hang on whatever whatever you are gonna need because season's coming up in two months less less than two months i think um, I'm very excited, honestly. I'm I cannot wait to, you know, see see what everybody's gonna shoot. Uh, we did some public land scouting yesterday, and you know, I got to shoot with a couple buddies, Andy Freeman, Christian Pruitt. It was a great time. Um, a lot of things learned yesterday. A lot of things learned. We found some new spots, and I'm very excited to see what comes from that. Uh, Andy gave me you know, a little bit of insight to a honey hole. I'm not going to say where it's at. Um, but yeah, dude, it, it's going to be awesome. And last but not least for the sponsors, Urban Archery Outfitters, we have a, a lot coming down the pipeline with them. <clears throat> if you go to the booth, like I said, come and see us on Sunday. They're going to be there all weekend. So if you go, you know, Friday or Saturday, go to their booth and go talk to everybody over there. They have a lot of things 
that are about to start happening with them. Lots of big, big news droppers, man. I'm, I'm really excited for, you know, us to be partnered up with them and start doing some, some, uh, I guess, work with them more than just, you know, having them on the podcast or, you know, swapping back and forth, like promotions and stuff like that. There's actual things that are, you know, really going to start coming through that you're going to see from them that I just can't wait. Um, but yeah, man, that's all the sponsors. And, you know, I, I had to give the shout outs. I wanted everyone to know about the World Deer Expo because it's going to be it's going to be a blast, man. I really cannot wait. I wish we could go the entire weekend, but, you know, we we can't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, make sure you come out there. Come say hey. Um, and let's just talk about stuff, guys. Go check out Urban Archery Outfitters, Osseo Summit, Chestnut Outdoors, all of them, man. Great people. Just it really goes to show you like how good the people in this industry can be. And I am so thankful that everyone that is involved with this podcast is just genuine and good folks, because sometimes that's not how it turns out. But enough about that. This episode is with Mike Hemby. Awesome dude. Awesome hunter. Planning on probably going hunting with him sometime this year. And uh, you know what? Enough talking. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we got JD's first co-hosting episode. Very excited about it. And we got Mr. Mike Hemby on here. Um, Mike's got a lot of stuff going on, man. And it's going to be very interesting to hear about it. Um, Big Buck Killer going to Africa. So for anybody that doesn't agree with it, stop listening now because we are going to talk about it. So, uh, Mike, what's up, dude? Yeah, not a lot. You know, I, um, funny enough, I live pretty close to where both of you are at. Uh, I moved back to Atlanta like a year ago and, uh, I was just kind of looking and starting to look around, you know, on Facebook and social media of people that share the same passion. I came across both of you. We started messaging on social media and then, uh, what just last weekend JD popped on and we shot up some targets a little bit and got to hang out in person. And, um, yeah, just excited to be on here and, and share some stories and talk about plans for this year. And I'm, I'm kind of, I love listening to what you guys are doing because I'm kind of a gear junkie too and love tinkering and messing with different things and broadheads and arrows and spines and setups. So um, every time I hear you guys start getting on a rant, I geek out a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, that's going to happen. You know, when the two of us are talking about that stuff, man, it's a rabbit hole that we basically live in. So, um, yep. yeah, man. So JD, uh what yeah i never asked you this how how did you guys run into each other like what was the whole story about that uh if i remember correctly it was honestly on social media it was just you know either i reached out to him or he reached out to me i could i honestly can't remember um but it was just one of those things we hit it off we realized that we lived literally 10 minutes from each other and just started talking back and forth and we decided that you know we had to shoot together at some point and, um, you know, eventually probably, you know, go on a hunt trip together at some time. And then, you know, JD, you know, I think just... what it was is you posted a picture of a buck in velvet and I thought it was the same buck that I had. I got a two acre <laughs> section here in, in suburbs North of Atlanta. And I was like, dang, I don't know how, where he is. Uh, I know he's close to me. I thought it was the same buck. I uh, ended up not being, ended up not being the same buck, but it got us talking a little bit more uh, and realized that you used to live like a mile down the road and, and now don't live too yep. far away. So. Yeah. Yep. That might've been it. <sighs> Y'all Atlanta boys. What am I going to do with you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm all the way out here east of Atlanta in the sticks. So y'all, y'all with your giant seek one level deer and us with our little Southern coos deer over here. Well, I sent you yeah. guys that trail cam, <laughs> that, that trail cam picture. I saw, I think I sent it to both of you. Yep. It was literally that night before I sent it to you. And uh, it's first time I'd seen him on camera and I was just jacked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jay sent me a picture of it and I was like, yo, is that on your property? And he was like, no, it's Mike's. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm like, dude, we hunt there. But yeah. that buck wasn't that far from his spot, was it? I don't think. Or am I thinking? Wrong? It was, JD, that buck literally was 20 yards from where our, my target is that we were shooting the other day. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which is only about eight minutes from my house. So, no, it's <laughs> not far. <laughs> I'll tell you guys what, the other thing that intrigued me um, 
so I actually went back when I started listening to the Southeastern Bowhunter. I didn't start from the most recent stuff. I actually, I love hearing how people start the podcast and how that grows. So I went back and listened from episode one and two, and then started jumping around to different episodes with different guests that I like. Uh, and what intrigued me the most is my story wasn't, wasn't too different from where you guys are at. And it's, you know, I grew up hunting in Michigan from Michigan originally did my undergrad and grad school there. And I mostly just gun hunted and where I was at, you couldn't even rifle hunt, right? We were just, I had to use a muzzle loader because it was in a shotgun zone. So if you wanted to shoot past 80 yards, you were using a muzzle loader. And I, I had a bow and I'd go out once a season, maybe here or there. And then I, I got into college and um, bought my own bow and hunted a little bit. Um, and when I moved down to Atlanta in 2012, I, um, I literally would just, I didn't hunt much down here. I would only go up, I'd hunt a little bit in some of the WMAs, um, you know, a little bit further west. And uh, the next thing you know, I'm, I'm just flying back to Michigan to hunt with my brothers on 20 acres that I own up there for opening day of gun season. And that was it. So it wasn't until about three or four years ago that uh, a buddy of mine says, hey, let's go out to Kansas. And I'm like, okay, let's go. So that year, we uh, we planned it for the next year. But the year before, which I think would have been 19, I... Um, I got that bow back out, got it restrung, and I went out to that property in Michigan and, and killed my first buck off that property and my first buck with a bow, but it wasn't anything but, you know, 80 inches, maybe something like that, and uh, then I kind of got the bug, and we decided to go to Kansas the next year, uh, which, J.D., you saw that mount here in the house. You know, it's for Kansas. It's not a big deer, but at the time, it was by far my biggest buck with a bow. It scores like 115-ish, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, after that, it was just like this addiction. Um, and, and last year was by far the most successful year that I had, 2022. And I had seven deer, five bucks across three different states, um, you know, two from Michigan, one from Georgia, and one from Alabama. Uh, and four of those were all my biggest deer to date, except this one, Kansas one. So they were all, you know, somewhere, not giants, right? Uh, but for me, it's, a, it's the next step of going from, you know, scrub bucks to then letting bucks pass and shooting, shooting things that are getting to a, a three and a half year old, which for me was the, the oldest deer that I'd killed to that point, except this Kansas deer. Um, so last year, you know, I was four bucks, three, three of them with the bow and um, sorry, five bucks, three of them with the bow that were all over, you know, 105 inches or so, uh, across a couple different States. And, uh, it was just a really cool experience. And, um, we got drawn for Kansas this year. So me and three buddies are, are going back out to Kansas and, um, man, it, it's a riot. Uh, I don't know if you guys have had a, had a chance to hunt out there, but it is absolutely wild. Yeah, we, uh, we actually were planning on doing a, um, Colorado hunt next year. And so I'm kind of trying to get all that to work out. And then we just got actually invited by Thor Nichols to go with him in two years to go up and hunt Illinois. I mean, I've driven through Kansas, but I've never, I've only ever hunted in Georgia, but I'm trying to get yeah. away from that. So, and I know JD and I were, we were actually just talking before you got on here about, you know, those trips and what we could do, whether or not we're going to be able to make them happen. And I mean, they're going to happen eventually you know, our biggest well, man, thing you can, life. you can do them on the cheap too. You don't, you know, you don't have to spend a bunch of money. Uh, if you're willing to tent or pull a camper or any of that kind of stuff, you don't, you don't got to spend a boatload of money, uh, to make it happen, especially in some of these States, like even Ohio, right. It's a, it's a top five big buck state, but the over the counter tag is like 200 bucks compared to, you know, Kansas is like a $500 tag. So it's a little more reasonable, a little bit closer to home, but still, still a big buck state. Yeah, we, so I told him about the uh, Nebraska mule deer hunt that they have, I think in September about how the over-the-counter tag is like 200 bucks. And I think yeah. for Colorado, it's like 450 or something like that. They're, I'm not going to say they're both the same distance, but I'm kind of in a sense leaning more towards the Nebraska hunt just because I know guys that have done it. I'm, I'm willing to literally live out of the truck for a week. You know, I don't care about any of that. Like if I go on a hunting trip and say money's an issue for it dude i don't need a five-star four-season hotel i can i can stay in a motel six and you know sleep on a bed that a, a hooker and some pimp was on the night before i don't care 
You know? Dude, my, my brother-in-law and six buddies just went out to Colorado elk hunting this year and they just had an old canvas army tent and a couple little heater buddies and they, you know, a decent sleeping bag and, and they were perfect. So no lodging costs. Doesn't Nebraska have, um, maybe it's not Nebraska. I thought that was a big game state that, uh, that if you buy a tag, it's kind of opportunistic that if you see a whitetail, you can hunt whitetail, or if you see a mule deer, you can hunt mule deer. Isn't doesn't Nebraska have that? Yep. That's both. And yeah. Chris B did a video on it um, a couple of years ago that him, <clears throat> him and one of his buddies, I think Chris killed a muley and his friend killed a whitetail within like two minutes of each other. Now it's not always going to be like that, obviously, but seeing that having a few friends that have done it, it and it, it just seems more affordable. Now I, you know, I was telling JD earlier, I don't know anything about hunting deer in the plains. I've only ever hunted, you know, in a ground blind or a tree stand. I've tried on the ground stuff, but you know, out here, it's so thick. You can't see anything. So I don't know. It, it's, it's definitely something to try. I mean, seek one just went out to Kansas last year and killed that big deer. So, I mean, it's something on the list for sure. We just, we just got to make it happen. Well, so just to, to talk a little bit about that in Kansas, you know, we were in Western Kansas. There was, we were lucky to find a tree to be able to put a tree stand in. And we yeah. were, it was, we had to learn how to hunt completely different because where we hunt in Michigan was all, all kind of like timber lots, ag fields, things like that. Uh, I shot my deer out of a tree stand. You know, I, I rattled him in. He came into a decoy that we had put out just to mess around with at 18 yards. But, uh, but my buddy that shot a 142 that was out there, we saw him running in a, in a tilled up field with no crop in it, no reason to be there with a doe. And he was in like a quarter acre little section of a tree line. And, and we saw him bed down. So we checked the wind, went up to the next country road and we were about a thousand yards away and we saw him through the binos and it's all rolling hills. So you can't see a whole lot. So we grabbed our stuff and uh, we just started sprinting across this open field. that was Weeha, which for Kansas, it's walk-in hunting. It's essentially a, a state program where they lease land from private landowners to then use for public hunting, mostly archery and pheasant and things like that. But uh, we got to about 250 yards and then we were, there was no more cover. There's some, uh, there's some CRP fields. We were essentially using the terrain and the topography. Uh, and this buck was bedded down and uh, we crawled the last 250 yards over about an hour and a half to two hours um, with him a few steps in front of me and me behind him. And I'm standing up and trying not to get seen. And, and we spot and stalked this deer, got to the edge of the CRP. And I think he heard us, but mm -hmm. he, he didn't know what we were. We were we were, we had the wind in there in our face. So we were in a good position, but he didn't want to let that doe go. And, uh, he stood up and got up and just raked the hell out of some branches, started breaking shit, stomping his foot. And he started coming right at us. And my buddy was up on one knee, was able to draw at like 15 yards as the buck was essentially coming for a fight. Cause he thought we were another deer straight frontal white tail adrenaline style. Um, and I watched this deer take off and I'll tell you what, we, uh, we were dragging that deer out in Kansas in the sunset. And some of the pictures from that 142, uh, it's like a mainframe 10, but a split G2 like crab claw. And it is one of the coolest deer and, and the best hunting experience. My only real spot and stock that I've done. Uh, and it was just absolutely incredible. I didn't even, I didn't even kill the deer. It was my buddy's deer, but, uh, that experience was just absolutely incredible. So if you get a chance to put a spot and stalk on an animal like that, you know, that 10 seconds when a deer walks in before you pull back and let go, mm -hmm. it's like that for the full two hours that we were crawling through, through the, through the CRP field. So JD, Good we need forward. to change our trip. <laughs> yeah. Thank, I think we do. Yeah. I think we sounds do. like a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it does. Well, so, no, Nebraska's, I mean, but Western Nebraska is the same type of terrain. A lot of people, when they don't draw for Kansas, they'll go OTC in Nebraska. So it's, it's the same type of experience, except the tag's less expensive and, um, and you get the, the best of both worlds. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've always wanted to go like after something, you know, more Western or say like, I guess more Midwestern. Cause I, I'm from Illinois. So, you know, seeing those Midwestern bucks, comparing them to the ones down here it they're definitely bigger body wise um i know there's not 150 inch deer behind every single corner i mean that's just that's just the truth but something about a mule deer I, i'm set on going after a muley i don't know what it uh, is there's something about a mule deer that is just it has sex appeal for days maybe yes. it's because we've never we do we don't see them 
But uh, whenever I see one on camera or watch a video of it, I get the itch. I actually just put in uh, this year, me and me and four buddies put in for uh, Utah elk, Utah mule deer, uh, mm. and then Montana, which is a, a Montana. Yeah, it's Montana, which is a big game tag, which is kind of the best of both worlds, right? You can uh, you have it, and I think you can shoot an elk, a muley, or a whitetail. Whatever you see, opportunistic, that's what you're going after. And um, I got the itch too, man. I got the itch. Well, wow, we, we need to scratch it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, we do. Man, so you were talking about um, tinkering and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I am very curious what, like, what your setup is. JD told me that you're big on, like, you know – actually no you know what he did tell me some stuff about your setup but i do remember you sending me some pictures and everything about some broadheads you're trying out i think it was this season right aren't there some new broadheads and all that that you're looking at yeah there's a couple groups that uh, i've got a chance to know through a buddy's podcast and this trip for africa that are Mm -hmm. that are smaller brands all made in the u.s that are that are kind of starting out Um, and just through some connections i'm getting a chance to try some stuff before it hits the market um, of, of, and I, I can talk a little bit about that with the, with triple point, but you know, my setup in general, I, I've, I'd never really bought a brand new bow, right? I'm, I'm a left-handed shot. It's kind of hard to find stuff. It wasn't until that, that Kansas or after that Kansas trip that I said, you know what? Um, I love this. I, I got to take this for real. So I got on archery talk on the forum and tried to find somebody's last year bow. So I bought at the time this, this guy was selling two Matthews V3s uh, a 31 inch axle to axle. And it was left-handed. And I was like, Hey, that sounds pretty good. You know, normally what 1400 bucks, he used it for a year and, um, you know, that was it. And, uh, I bought it for like $800, right. With the stabilizer. Uh, and then I went and got it set up, uh, up in, up in Canton. And, uh, and at the time, you know, I put a, a, a drop away rest on there and I was just shooting a, a it was a vertical, five pin actually uh so it was like wow. a stacked five pin but it was still yeah. your typical you know 20 30 40 50 um and you know i had a heavy arrow set up by accident i didn't really know enough at the time i just asked the guy at the archery shop like look i'm i'm getting into this what do you recommend um and uh he 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 sold me on some fmjs right some full metal jackets and at the time i didn't really know any better uh and i slapped 125 grain broadhead on the front and a, and a lighted knock on the back and i was shooting like 508 last year uh, the problem is with those fmjs as you guys probably know um if you're trying to get any amount of foc yeah my arrow weight's good at 508 but but it it eats up all of that, uh, all of that front of center. And I had success, right? I mean, I told you I killed seven deer last year, a couple good bucks with bow, my, my biggest bucks with, with, uh, with the bow in, in Alabama and in Georgia. And, uh, and it was a fun season it was a great year. And then it wasn't until, um, so I was hunting in Georgia last year and, I have all this Michigan gear and I was sweating my ass off in September. So I started looking at different camel companies and I, and I found one. Um, and I know you guys do some work with Osseo, so I won't, I won't drop names and things here, but it was, it was a different group that has really, really lightweight gear. Um, and it was just, it was, I was like, okay, let me try this out. Well, I'd posted a couple of pictures on their field staff page and, and I got a message from the CEO. Um, and he's like, Hey, we're going to Africa. Is that something, you know, I'd, I'd like you to come with us. You've, you've sent some good pictures. It looks like you've had some success. Uh, you know, you're, you're in the Georgia area, but you've also, you know, you've hunted the Midwest a bit. Um, if you're interested, let me know. And so we can get into that in a minute, but that's when I really started getting into my arrow setup. Cause I'm like, okay, uh, I, I got to pay more attention to this. Cause I was shooting that FMJ was a 340 spine, 120, you know, 125 on the front. And, um, you know, I did the same thing you guys did, right? I, I dug into some of T-Bone stuff. I dug into some Ranch Ferry stuff and I started doing other research on my own. I started testing some things. Um, and I read a bunch of the, you know, page after page of the Ashby work and, and made my own assumptions. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a physical therapist. I have a doctorate in physical therapy and board certified in orthopedics. So anatomy is kind of like my thing. So, you know, diving into to shot placement and organs and the skeletal structure uh, and how an arrow is going to impact that. It's, uh, you know, I, I kind of geek out, geek out on that from an anatomy perspective. And um, 
so right now my arrow setup is um, I'm shooting Sirius Apollo arrows, which is, you know, obviously that's where, where T-Bone does some stuff with. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, I was just looking for, for a group that had a high quality product. It's a little pricey, but at the time I was really trying to find something that was going to be reliable in Africa on a kudu that, you know, could be 600 pounds, somewhere in the four to 600 pound range. Um, and a Gims buck again in the four to 550 range, um, mostly plains game animal. So right now, uh, my weight that I'm taking to Africa is about 625 um, with, uh, it's a 250 spine, 100 grain insert on the front, plus 150 grain broadhead on the front, which ends up getting me to rate about 17% FOC. And um, I do have uh, four fletch on the back just to give me a little more just because it's such a heavy arrow and so more weight. Everybody that I was talking to and, and the research on it was like, yeah, uh, it might be a little overkill. It's going to hurt your FOC, um, but it's going to give you a little more room for error, you know, if something happens to happen from a steering perspective. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's largely what I'm running as far as weight and setup. And, you know, it's, uh, you can kind of see the, the four fletch. It's those a hybrid 26s that are on there. I love those, man. That arrow is beautiful. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I've, I've always, uh, man, I've always had a three fletch, you know, with the different color, the different color fletch up. And, um, and I kind of like the all white it's, uh, it's clean and, and, uh, and pretty attractive. So I'm not hating it. Yeah. If I can show you my arrows, man, I'm running the, uh, Easton axis four mills right now with it's, it's a three fletch. Um, it's got the bully veins on it, but I had built some blood sport, uh, punishers before that. And I can't tell you how many wraps, how many veins, how many knocks, inserts, brought all that stuff that I was tinkering with that set of arrows. And, you know, I love a four fletch, but since I'm shooting, well, before the Eastons, I was shooting like 450. I just went with the three fletch. Um, well, my, my whitetail setup that I just got at the Mobile Hunting Expo um, from DCA, um, I don't know if you guys know DCA, Deer Cross oh, yeah. Archery. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they built some for me there and, um, that setup is probably going to be more like a 550, mm -hmm. but those, those are a three fletch, um, just cause it, it doesn't need to be. And that's a 300 spine. So, um, and I'm, I'm shooting my, my carbon's 28, 28 inches end to end, you know, before I put a knock on there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's actually spined even higher than that just cause I'm cutting it shorter and, and, and working through that. And my bow's set up to, I was shooting like 64 pounds, and um, I cranked it up a little bit to, for Africa specifically. So it's, it's up at 70 right now. So I should be all set for whatever comes in front of me outside of a Cape Buffalo. Man, I was going to ask you about those Buffalo too. I was hoping you, that was on your list. I really uh, it, You know what? <laughs> um, the, I'm getting a great deal on this hunt because it's, it's actually kind of cool. I don't know if you guys want to get into this yet, or if you still want to talk about gear. So you tell me. Yeah, no, know. let's, let's talk about Africa, man. I'm, I'm, you know, we can talk gear for hours. Um, but I am curious about this Africa hunt. So, so this camel company, uh, and the CEO, Mike Austin reached out and I was like, yeah, I'd love to talk to him. So I started talking to the Johan Smith who runs hunt tech pro. So hunt tech pro is, is a TV show on carbon TV and on YouTube TV. Uh, and it's the number one hunting show in Africa. And it is one of the only African hunting shows that's actually that is on carbon TV. And I think it's one of the top five hunting shows here. Um, and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. So this, so on this trip, I think there's six of us going, it's the CEO of the camel company. It's me and, and Holden, the guy that you met JD, who, who was shooting with us. Uh, one of the guys backed out last minute and, and Mike called me and said, Hey, is there somebody you want to know? So I'd never really met Holden before I worked with his girlfriend and um, you know, he jumped in on it with us. So it's the two of us. Um, Josh Miller from Ohio, he owns triple point, which is the broadhead that I'm shooting. That's that this, um, uh, I think I was, I was showing you, he's got some mechanicals that use rare earth magnets instead of any collars or rubber bands or any of that. And he's an engineer by trade. And, uh, some of the engineering that went into it's just kind of incredible. Uh, I'm shooting the fixed blade that they have. So he's going to be there with us testing some new products, which is how I'm going to get my hands on some of this new stuff that he's got. And, um, and then one other guy that's, that's from the, the, the Georgia, uh, the, um, I forget where he lives. He's, he's, uh, over by Athens, I think. So, uh, we're, we're going out there and, um, you know, we're going to get to hunt and it's going to be filmed. And, you know, normally a hunt like that's, um, I'm getting it for, you know, close to half the price. 
Um, and I'm going to get the, you know, you'll see so many animals and I got a package of five different animals from Kudu, Impala, Gimsbuck, Wildebeest, Warthog, but, but this, this concession, this farm is known for a world-class sable. Uh, so if one of those walks out, I might have a difficulty not, uh, uh, not pulling back and sending it. And then it's going to be filmed, which is, it's just kind of a cool thing, right? It's on this, this their episodes are like 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, and they're kind of documenting the whole thing. So something I'll be able to look back forever and, uh, and see and watch. And, you know, normally from what I've, well, from what I've heard, if, if I wanted to go on a hunt to Africa and have somebody else film me, that would have cost me like an extra couple grand, I guess. So, um, I'm pumped about it. I actually leave two weeks from yesterday. So this time, two weeks from now, um, I'll be driving from Johannesburg a couple hours up to the concession or actually right now I'll probably just be getting out of a blind. So, um, it's a 15 and a half hour flight, but, uh, man, I'm going out there for less than what a guided elk hunt would be out West flight, five animals, all the lodging, all the food, all the drinks. And, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I never even, it was never even on my bucket list of like the thing I wanted to do. Cause I never even thought it was possible, like never even in the realm of possibility. So when it came up, I brought it up to my wife and I'm already going on a bear hunt to Maine with my father-in-law and we're split. We didn't get drawn for Kansas last year. So we're going to Kansas this year. And she was like, you know what? You can't say no, but uh, don't go planning any trips for next year because uh, you're using <laughs> up all your points this year. So. <laughs> wow. Sounds like my wife. Yeah. She tried. That sounds like mine too. Yeah, when she when I told her I was going out west, uh, she was like, "Oh, okay, so that means you're not going to hunt here." I'm like, uh, "No, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm hunting. I'm definitely hunting." Um, yeah, dude. It, honestly, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I don't. I've never had any. I'm not gonna say never had any interest in going hunting over in Africa. I just I like deer too much. You know, like caribou, elk, muleys, moose, whatever. Um, but I will say if someone did, you know, message me be like, Hey man, you know, we got this Africa hunt. Um, we're going to give, you know, we want you to come with, are you interested? Well, it's this price. It's usually this price, but, and it was a good price. I mean, I'd go, why not? You know? Well, I'll tell you what, it's, it's way more achievable. And, and I can tell you guys some prices offline or on, I, you know, I don't know uh, what, what the prices are, you know, normally, but uh, to be able to go out there for less than, for not that much more than what I'm going to Maine for, for bear, you know, um, and, and to get a chance to, to just a cultural experience out there. Um, it's it, again, I never even considered it cause I didn't even think it'd be possible. It was never on my list ever. Uh, yeah, I knew I wanted to go elk hunting and I knew I wanted to go mule deer hunting and, you know, I'd love to kill a couple different species and subspecies of Turkey at some point, but, um, never never thought africa was possible and i still i'm, I'm starting to get this uh like butterflies almost because it's getting so close because i we locked this in in like february and i thought i had like five months and and the next thing i know it's two weeks away um and i'm getting a little nervous about it to be honest yeah you'll be fine just uh don't run into any lions it's the only thing i can tell you yeah those, so it's, those, it's, inter yeah. it's interesting the way they hunt there they don't stay till like that last hour right they you got to get out of there before it gets too dark because you are not the most dangerous thing in the woods like we are here, mm -hmm. right? There's, uh, there's a lot of other animals out there that are trying to kill you as much as you're trying to kill some of them. Uh, so they don't want you walking in last light. So you actually hunt until about 30 minutes before that the sun goes down and, uh, and that's when you're heading back in. Yeah, that, that's my biggest thing. Like my wife and I have talked about it before and, and I mentioned the whole Africa thing to her and she's like, oh, I'll go with you. I just won't go hunt. I'm like, what are you going to do? She's like, I'll chill at the hotel and all this. I'm like, all right, that's fine. But um, the biggest thing I tried to get my wife to go with me because the prices are, it's like they only charge the, the lodge for non hunters, like a spouse yeah. for, and this is, you know, like this great lodge and they cook all the food and they do your laundry. It was like uh, a couple hundred dollars a day, like $200 a day to bring a spouse. So I could have brought my wife with me for, for six, uh, uh, less than what we could go there on a vacation for. Uh, and they could, they can hang out at the lodge and do all the things and, and, you know, go sightseeing or go on some of the rides on their buggies around with binoculars, or she can come sit in the blind with you and, and be there with you. And you get a chance to harvest an animal of a lifetime. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm just, honestly, dude, I'm just, uh, 
I have four cats and I've seen what they can do. So thinking of a 600 pound version of that, uh, <laughs> I think oh, I, I think I heard you would. You I think would. I heard your cat on the last episode actually in the background when you and JD were bullshitting yeah. about uh, about uh, bear shaft tuning or tuning broadheads or something like that mm-hmm. uh, when JD was getting all the hate. But I heard the cat in the background on that one. He does that every episode. I, I call it smoking every cat. episode. It, it's I walk down the stairs and I get everything set up, and next thing you know, he's at the door and he's just Bow! the whole time, and I'm like, dude. I'm not letting you in because if I do, he's going to be sitting right here and, you know, walking all over everything. And it's just, I love so, him, but I, I got a, I got a question on your Africa. Hunt. Yeah. Have, and this one may be one that you may have not even thought about yet. And I'm just curious. Are you afraid that going after all these, the, this on this Africa hunt and you get a, you know, trophy animal, are you, are you afraid that you're not going to be the good old boy from Georgia hunting anymore? You're just now after this hunt going to be strictly the trophy chaser. No, man, not, uh, I can see where the question had come from, but, um, the woods is where I find my peace. Um, I, you know, someone was asking me something about hunting and, and this and that. And I said, look, when's the last time you watched the sunrise? And when's the last team you watch the sunset? Cause every fall I get to do that multiple times a week. Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing more, there's nothing more beautiful than walking in at dark, climbing up in a tree stand or a saddle and a climber and it's dead quiet. And then you yep. hear it, you see the sunrise and the woods start to wake up. The birds start chirping, the breeze starts blowing. Um, man, I could, I could be out there when I was turkey hunting in Alabama this year, it was, uh, I could have just sat there along the Creek and, and had a great time being in the woods. I love all of it, man. The, the habitat, uh, the habitat management, the habitat improvement, you know, food plot type stuff sitting in the woods, man, I'll just go out with a chainsaw and, and cut wood sometime just cause I love being out there when the environment that I work in. So i I'm a, I'm a regional vice president for a large healthcare practice that's based out of Atlanta. We have like 500 clinics across 26 States and man, it's all, all the time, always on, always talking to people, you know, um, people don't see, people don't get it when they see me in, 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 in a non-work setting. Cause at work I'm suited and booted, right. I'm, I'm suited up shirt and right. tie. And when I'm not, I'm, I'm camo and flannels, you know, and yeah. Um, yeah. Th- they don't always get it. So my piece um, my peace, my church, my, my yoga, my meditation, all of that occurs in a tree stand in the woods. Um, and that's the best part about it every single day. So to, to answer your question, um, no, because, you know, when I go to Kansas and I seen a 160, was I shaken? Yeah, you bet your ass. But when that 110 inch two-year-old walks in, in Georgia, I'm, I'm still just as ecstatic. Anytime that first doe comes yeah. out, I'm jacked. So to be honest, right. I, um, I think I get that rush and I think I get that high, uh, anytime I experience that, um, even after deer season this past year, uh, we were out, we, we, uh, I'm in a hunt club out in, out in Sparta and deer season was over and we brought out this guy that runs beagles. And we, um, and we just got to rabbit hunt the whole thing, but that morning they weren't coming out that morning. So I took a, I took my 22 out and I was, I was squirrel hunting. Uh, but it was also, you know, you could shoot coyotes and this big old male coyote comes out and I got the same type of shakes on this male coyote predator, uh, that I would probably the, what I'm going to have in Africa. So, um, and, and again, it's not about the kill. It's about that experience. Don't get me wrong. I love killing shit and I love putting stuff on the wall uh, and I love providing meat for the family. But um, to give you an example yeah. of this, JD, you know, I, I told you about my season last year, right? I, I shot a hog with my yeah. bow. I shot seven deer, five bucks across three States, shot that coyote, my favorite hunt of the year. And it, I'll tell you, it, it was a gun hunt. Um, my, my five-year-old wanted to go out with me. Um, and I said, yeah, let's go. So we got, we, we got in the little vehicle. We drove, we drove out and we went and sat in a box blind and man, we just dusted a couple does and, uh, she was out there and she was next to me and we just had an absolute blast and she helped me track it. 
Um, and she helped me, you know, go through the whole process. And then when I brought it back home and I was processing in the garage, she was out there. That's the, the, the most memorable hunt that I had all of last year. Um, and I killed three of the biggest bucks that I've ever killed in the same year. So it's, um, and that's what makes it. every single hunt. It, it's, it's not the, not the trophy. It's the memories. The memories is what makes the hunt. And, you know, it's just, I've seen, and the only reason I ask you that is because I've seen some low, I'm not going to name drop anything, but some local guys that, you know, will eventually make that, you know, out of the U S hunt and then their head swells. And then they're, they're not your typical go-to guys anymore. And it's just, they look, it seems to me like they just, they lose it. And that was, that was more so where the question was, is I just, you know, I know you now and I, I know your history and I know your, your drive behind it and your memories behind all of them. And I just, I don't, I hope you don't lose the same thing that they lost. Man, I appreciate every, I mean, uh, look, I've been pretty fortunate in my career with opportunities to, to have some success um, and, and be successful, but I came man, I, I came from, from nothing, right? My, my, my father passed away when I was, before I was two, my mom struggled with some addiction when I was, uh, when I was growing up and I went to 11 schools before seventh grade and moved around. And, um, you oh, know, wow. I was, uh, at some point, like almost a ward of the state. Right. And, um, wow, so man. it's one of those that's uh, never forgetting where you're from and, and where you're at that, uh, look, you, you, you were at the house, yeah, you heard, you saw me geeking out. I uh, I think I sent you guys both this, but I wanted a bigger target, so I stopped losing arrows when I was trying to shoot at long distances. Um, and even though yeah. I'm going to Africa and I'm spending this money, I still didn't want to go spend money on a target. So I spent ten dollars and made a four foot by four foot large target and went around to Home Depot and was scrap, you know, finding plastic to fill it with. And uh, <laughs> I only spent ten bucks on this target. So. Um, man, it's all about the roots and it's always about remembering where you come from and why you do it, no matter what you're doing, whether it's hunting or, or whatever your hobby, your passion might be. So, I mean, I think that's a great question. Um, and I think it's something we all have to be really intentional about of making sure that, that we remember why we do it and what we're doing. It's not for followers and, um, or social right. media or whatever this perceived lifestyle or fake ass shit that people put on, on, Facebook half the time, you know, sorry for yeah. the language. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you know, don't get me, don't get me wrong. You know, this social media outlet that we have and that we're using, you know, right now it, it's, it works and it's awesome, but we're, you know, I'm speaking for myself. Well, that's, that's how we got connected, this, but it, right? this isn't right. But, you know, speaking for myself and I'm pretty sure that Eric is hundred percent on this with me as well. We did, we're not doing this for, the fame and for the followers this is for us in the community to be able to have ways to communicate and share stories and share our memories because that's what is all hunting is the memory base oh 100 and hopefully really and hopefully agree. it helps one person get into the woods or one person be a little bit more successful or if somebody hears the story about me taking yep. my daughter out maybe it maybe it gets them to take one of their kids out next year and absolutely just kind of absolutely that that hunting heritage and that culture of hunting. And, um, man, we know we're losing hunters every single year. And, um, and I was listening to Wadi on, on the episode that you guys did. And, and I really appreciated what he had to say uh, was a couple episodes ago, um, Eric, but he said something of, he's always going to be an advocate for anything in hunting and outdoors, even if he doesn't choose to do it, or he doesn't want to do it. Anytime one right is taken away, whether it's a trail camera in a state you're never going to hunt or it's, it's crossbows or whatever it might be, I'm not going to use that and I might not do that. But as soon as we lose one thing, it can be a domino effect and you can start to lose more and more. And um, that's the biggest problem with, with the hunting community is we spend more time bickering at each other than coming together um, and, and actually trying to expand that, that heritage and that history that we're all talking about. Yeah, the fact you say that um, makes me think of something that I wanted to talk to you about because I completely agree and JD knows exactly where I'm going with this. I'm not going to name drop, um, but I think I told you before we got on here about, I don't want to put this, a comment that was made about recent episodes talking about public land. Now, I will be the first to say public land is public land. 
I have is just as much a right as both of you do, as you do that I do. If I find a spot that is really good and I tell someone about it, I have a right to do that. Just like I would tell you guys. The issue is somebody thought that by me mentioning where I hunt on public and maybe putting a little bit more detail in it than maybe they would, that it is going to ruin public land hunting and that I'm part of the reason why public land hunting sucks. So my question to you is, what's your opinion on the whole public land stuff and people like saying, hey, you know, I killed this really big deer on such and such WMA. It's not just a podcast that's getting stuff like that out there. I mean, Seek One, perfect example. Nobody knew there were giant deer in Atlanta. Now everybody knows. Are there still giant deer there? Yeah, maybe not as many, but there's still giant deer there. But that's private. Now we're talking public. I mean, we all pay for that land. It's all, it's all for everyone that wants to hunt. And I just have a problem with people that like to, you know, sit there and say, oh, because you're saying this one specific spot that you're the reason why it's it's all terrible. Like, I'm sorry you may have lost your spot to someone else, but they had a right to be there, just like you have a right to be there. And it, I, I'm just curious what your opinion is on that when people start to try and throw blame at other people for, you know, something that really they don't own that property more than the other guy. I'm, I'm probably the person that overshares that, to be honest with you, because um, look, if I tell you about a spot where I saw a turkey in a WMA here in West Georgia, but I couldn't get on and you go out there and kill it, man, I'm going to be. I'm going to be pumped for you. I'm going to come have a beer with you and we're going to celebrate. Yes. Right. Yes. The, the, yeah. The, the problem is, is um, it's public. It's public land, meaning that everybody has the rights to it. Not even just hunters. Right. Yeah. If I'm in a tree stand and some lady comes by on a hike, she has just as much right to be. Do I think maybe she should know that it's deer season and people are out there with guns and bows uh, and she should probably, you know, not be wearing her green yoga pants like okay cool um i might not think she's the most intellectual person because of that <laughs> but at the end of the day she has the same right to be there and um and that's the same person that that'll end up complaining because oh we don't have enough public land to hunt or the dnr isn't doing this for us or the dnr isn't managing the deer herd or they should change turkey tags mm -hmm. well with you acting like that you, there's probably people that aren't hunting because of some of the negativity they've received from other people about something like that. I, so my buddies have this podcast up in Michigan. Um, I think I've told you guys about it. And if you go on generations to hunt, look at all their reviews. Some guy left a one-star review for that exact reason. Most of their stuff's all four and five stars, right? It's a, it's a good group of guys, but they were talking about a spot that is uh, it's a pumpkin patch. It's it's one of those areas that you'd never step on during gun season. And they were like, oh, yeah, if you want to go see 15 hunters, just go out to, you know, this this public land. And somebody just was was rage texting and messaging and gave them a one star review. Um, and the reality is, if someone says, man, I killed this huge buck on this WMA in, in Alabama or at the Talladega National Forest or at the Paulding WMA or whatever it might be, like, okay, that buck is dead. It's mm -hmm. already dead. It's gone. Like you already, you already shot that deer. If people that want to share trail cam pictures, that's fine. But um, man, I think it, it's a selfish, it's a selfish short-term comment and a selfish short-term thought for in, in a, in a bad way of thinking about the the long-term heritage in, in the chance that hunting is going to continue to have what it has going forward. And um, there's so much public land around us and that public, that public land section, it, it's not like it was a 30 acre section, right? It's probably 5,000 acres. Like, okay. The chances that just by you mentioning a spot that that person's going to find your exact location and a 5,000 or like a Talladega national forest is like hundreds of thousands of acres. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I told people I was out there turkey hunting. It's a hundred thousand acres, right? Like, or more than that. Yeah. Um, it's got plenty of room. It's got plenty of room to hunt. And um, so I just think it's dumb to be honest. I think um, if you guys end up going out to Kansas 
and you're like, Hey, where to go? Like, I'm going to tell you what zone I was in or what unit I was in. And I, and I hope you're successful out there. That's how, that's how my buddy got on the buck that he shot. It was a friend from back home in Michigan who had hunted there a few years back and he dropped us a pin on Onyx, you know, um, that wasn't the property that he killed on, but it was the property I killed on. And then the one, the one that he killed on was not too far away. Like that's how we knew where to go. Uh, and if we can't help each other out because we want to be selfish about it, like, okay, then don't listen. Then, then that guy should stop listening to the podcast and go hunt by himself and, and get off of social media. I completely agree. I wanted to say that, but I didn't want to be an asshole. <laughs> Damn, yeah, there uh, was, coming from me. There I was a, I'll, I'll be the asshole. I'll say it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my job. Yeah. Right. Um, your job. But there, there is uh there was one time I went out to uh, Altoona WMA and I went out there, you know, dead silent in the, early in the morning and pitch black sun came up. I was up with my climber and sun came up and it was, Within 200 yards, I saw seven orange vests within a 200-yard circle of me. And it was one of those, yeah, it pissed me off, but there's nothing I could do. Mm-hmm. Nothing I could do. And then, you know, a couple hours later, a guy, you know, shot a buck, and I went down there and helped him drag it out. I mean, I just, cool, man, awesome. Good mm-hmm. for you. Uh, you you got to celebrate with each other. It, quit mm-hmm. with the selfish bullshit. I'll, I'll tell you what I, I i'm new to turkey hunting right um and so this year i had a buddy come down and, and we went out to the Tal- talladega national forest again hundreds of thousands of acres and we saw one hunter and uh, i'm new to calling and i'm trying to practice different mouth calls um and i'm not very good at it but i'm having a blast and i'm learning i'm spending time outside and we had split up and i was on this ridge and i was calling and I heard another call and I'm like, oh gosh, there's, there's a turkey coming in and it started getting closer and I started getting closer and I'm creeping over the hill and it's another hunter. You call like, in another I, hunter? I did. I called <laughs> another hunter. I was like, well, at least I, at least my call sounds realistic enough that he thought I was another oh, hunter. Oh God. <laughs> and we, man, we, we sat there and talked for a little bit. He'd found this nice 10 point deadhead in a Creek bottom. Uh, come to find out, you know, he's, he's a graduate student at the university of Alabama and he was over here on a clinical and was trying to find a place to hunt. And, and he's a really experienced Turkey hunter. Mm-hmm. And we walked out and we were in deep, right? We ended up walking out probably a mile or so. And we chatted the whole time, met up with my other buddies. And after that, he has sent, we started connecting on via text and he invited me to come out and go fishing with him. And, and him and I are still connecting and we're trying to find another time to go hunt together next year that it's all about what you make of it. You can choose to be pissy and salty when you see somebody like that, or you can see it as an opportunity to get to know somebody uh, that maybe you wouldn't, wouldn't otherwise got to know that shares the same passion for public land hunting or for being in the outdoors that you do, or you can be pissy about it and make an enemy and cuss somebody out and, uh, and all that kind of drama. So um, I think there's just, um, there's just some people that, uh, Karen. are going to look at it one way or the other and i choose to look at it in a way of man if there's somebody in the parking lot that's going to challenge me how do i learn how to hunt human pressure yep. and hunt around them and use that to my advantage if you guys Absolutely. ever listen to um the southern outdoorsman podcast right yep. um the, the tactics that those guys drop are insane and they were at the mobile hunting expo and that's one of the questions that i asked them because they have some guests that come on that talk a lot about not just hunting the deer, but hunting the pressure of some of these guys won't go in at first light. They'll drive around to see where the other cars are parked and they've scouted enough to know the exit funnels. And then they'll go hunt the exit funnels. And that's how they, they kill these huge deer, right? People pulling 150, 160 inch deer off of public land in the Southeast, uh, largely off of hunting other people and where they're at and knowing where to go. So I think it makes you better. I think it makes it a little bit harder. And, um, and, it, and if you do it the right way, you can probably get to know some pretty cool people along the way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I've never really seen anybody on public much, which is why I had such issue with him saying that, you know, I was ruining it. Cause I'm like, dude, I, you apparently hunt the same WMA as me. And you're claiming that I'm ruining this place, but I've only seen one other person and it was a, it was a squirrel hunter. So I don't know, man. It was one of those things just bothering me, but um, I don't want to keep you too long, but I do have a question before. We yeah, wrap. I'm good. We can, we can chat for as long as you need to. I know my wife's getting, getting hungry. Though. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, the thing I'm curious about, you're from Michigan. Rumpola book, real or fake? <laughs> so this is interesting. Um, man, I think it's real, and here's why. Um, one of the guys that I've went to Kansas with that I hunt with forever, he had actually taken a deer to a processor that, um, that had his hands on that buck that actually had pictures when he was scoring my buddy's deer, there was a file of the buck in there and he actually had measurements and he put his hands on it in Michigan uh, and had put a tape on it. And I know there's a lot of controversy and people are wondering like, man, if he killed, if he killed that buck and it looks kind of weird, um, what, well, if you look back at some of the other bucks that is it, I think it's Mitch, Mitch Rompola killed in that area. There's other bucks with the same type of features, right. With, with, uh, a bigger spread between the pedicles with these, this massive width, not to that scale. And that guy was killing booners before. Uh, it's not like he came out of nowhere. Like he was, he was a killer and he was kind of off the record before. And uh, it seemed like it turned into a money game. You know, he had to sign this non-disclosure agreement that he can't, he can't officially have it scored or put it in the books or, or publicize it until after that. What is it? The Hanson buck. Uh, as long as Hanson's alive, he can't share that information. So there's a lot of controversy on it. Um, I think it's real because I've, I've met some people that have had a chance to actually see pictures and see trail cam pictures before uh, when it was alive and then also see multiple year history of that buck. But um, it is weird that, um, you know, he's locked up in a cabin somewhere, not talking to anybody. Um, and, and there's so much controversy on it. But um, if you had to, if you were holding a gun to my head and asked me if I had to make a decision and put money on it, yeah, I think it's real. Yeah, I've got and also in, in um, my heart, I want to think it's real, right? I want, right? <laughs> I want a deer like that to be real. Yeah. And I want that to be from, because Michigan's not known as a big buck state, right? We're around all these big buck states. Um, but the age class in Michigan, I think it's something like over 60% of the deer that the bucks that are killed are, are a year and a half or younger. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just not known for growing big deer. But when you think about Ohio and Indiana and Illinois and Wisconsin that are all around it, it should have the habitat for it. Um, but uh, the hunting heritage, kind of like Pennsylvania, there's just so many, there's so many hunters. And, uh, and there's a lot of old school guys that are, that are, when they were growing up, if you shot a spike or a three point or a basket rack, that was a big deal because the deer population was low. But now the, you know, the, the Dota buck ratios are like six, seven, eight to one. And, uh, and the age structure is just not as big as it is. But uh, you see Michigan making some changes on some APRs or talking about one buck rule. Uh, and if they made some of those decisions, I think it would be one of these top 10 states. But um, I want it to be real, um, to know that, that I might run across something like that in the woods one day. Yeah, I've got a guy up there who lives there. And, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, we're doing a series on it every, I'm trying to do every month. It's, it's kind of hard to make it happen. But yeah, he, he has a ton of information on it, man. And we've been going back and forth. You know, I think the first episode, we were kind of both saying, oh, we don't think it's real. Then the next episode we did, we were running all the reasons why it could be real. The next one we're going to do in a few weeks uh, is going to be centered around why it couldn't be real. I mean, there's so many different things. Apparently, Mitch is part of the, uh, the Rumpola fan club group on Facebook. Someone posted that they figured out he's in it but he's not going under his actual name. I mean, there's, oh, there's really? so many things. Yeah, dude, there's so many things going on with this deer that you being from Michigan, I just had to ask you. So <laughs> man, even, even the guys from Michigan, um, if you listen to some of the, the bigger podcasts out of Michigan, like the fall podcast, right. That's like up there with WCB and some of these mm -hmm. other ones, even those guys can't agree on it, but um, I want it to be real. Uh, you know, I hope it's real, um, but we might not, we might never know. Yeah. I agree. It's fun well, to talk feel, about it though. Oh, for sure. Dude. I love talking about it. That's why I asked Garrett Goodwin about it. He said he thinks it's real. I mean, anyone that's from Michigan or, or that's been in the industry. Um, Cause I have asked a few of the guys I've met in the industry about it and they, they don't want me to say what their answers were, but it, it is a very interesting story for sure. But look, I feel like it's a good spot to uh, break this one off and we're going to have to get you back on again. Cause we started super late. And I wanted to dive into so much more, but um, unfortunately, kind of running out of time here. 
Well, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, it's been really yeah, cool man. to see the growth of the podcast and listen and listen from episode one and, and listen to some of the different stuff. And uh, it was great to shoot, you know, JD with you the other day. So hopefully, we'll all have to get oh, yeah. together and shoot here, maybe do some hunts together. And um, yeah, I'd I'd love to get back on when I get back from Africa and actually, um, you know, share what it was actually like over there. Yeah, we need to do that. I want to hear about it and yep. a bunch of the other history you've had too with hunting and yeah man we'll, we'll get together and shoot um sometime i mean you know how busy life gets so we'll make it happen but who knows maybe we can go hunt together i mean if you're 10 minutes from jd you know we've hunted his place last year so we could maybe get something together but we'll you we, you and i talk like pretty much every other day so we'll we'll figure something out sounds good i appreciate you guys yes sir thank you hey man Bye. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. If you don't mind, go on Apple, go on Spotify, wherever you listen to this and give us a five-star review. It really helps out. And, you know, I just want to give all the glory and all the thanks to God. Without him, I wouldn't be able to do any of this. We wouldn't be able to do anything without him. So, Just needed to throw that out there. Thank you again for listening and don't forget to give us a review.